Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. How we treat others determines our eternity. Because, see, you know, what you really believe is what you're going to live out. And so if I really believe that Jesus is God's son and God is God and that the two most important things to them is to love God with all my heart and soul and mind and to love my neighbor as myself. And I realize that the most important thing really then on this earth to God is people. And I don't really care about people, especially the least of them. And Jesus says, you may not be going to heaven. And I want to read what he says because that sounds almost like heresy. That sounds like anti-tradition. You know, that sounds like something that somebody would stand up and say at Christmas and it would ruin the whole meal, you know. Don't talk about that. Don't call no, nothing controversial. But I want you to hear it because it's true, and I don't want you to be caught in the lie of the world or in the lie of the Christian world that just says, you know what? Ask him to be in your heart. Go to some camp. Have a mountaintop experience. And then just live however you want because it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it matters. Whatever's in your heart is what will come out in your life. The book of Proverbs, as a matter of fact, says, above all else, which that should mean a lot to me already, above all else. Guard your heart, for out of it come the issues of your own life. What I input into my heart, what I read, what I watch, I have even adults say, well, I know what's right and wrong, so I should be able to read and watch and 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 any kind of junk because I know what's right and wrong. No, whatever you're putting into your heart is going in there, and whatever's going in there is going to come out through the issues of your life. And believe me, if we aren't putting Jesus and God and the Word and truth into our heart and saying, God, I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that you may prove the will of God in my life that which is acceptable and perfect. If we're not doing that and loving others, then we're really not walking as Christians. And you might want to question whether you really know God. And we're going to make sure you know him today. I don't want anyone to leave this place without that knowledge and without that cleansing. I want to go back to Jesus' words, and I'm reading from Matthew 25. And it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered around Him. And He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left. And the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me and I was in prison and you came to visit. And then the sheep said, the righteous said, whoa, 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 Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you water or in prison and visit you or sick and take care of you? And he said, you know what? Whenever you did it, To the least of these, you did it to me. And I guess if I had a title for this talk, it would be called The Least of These. Because I think that that is something that we forget. Especially in an I, I, I world and a me, me, me world and, you know, where most of us are thinking about what are my needs, what do I look like, all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember that. I remember that well. And, 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 and adults aren't impervious to that. I mean, we have that situation, too. Like, you know, is someone going to see that I have this big giant spot in my right cheek, you know, cover it all up? And no, they're not, because they've got some big giant something else on, hanging somewhere else. And, you know, they don't know because they're worried about that. So here we go. Look at this. I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for me. How? The first thing that Jesus said is, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And you know what? That can be physical hunger. And we can be missionaries and go and and dig wells and how awesome Mariah that is. And it can be physical thirst. Hunger and thirst, but it can also be a hunger and a thirst for acceptance. Do you give the least of these acceptance? Think about it. There are people in this room that just want your friendship. They just want you to know their first name. They just want to count for something. And Jesus Christ himself is looking over them with his angels. And he himself is saying, whatever you do, you do. To the least of these, you do to me. And this reciprocal is true as well. Whatever you don't do for the least of these, you don't do for me. So how does that apply to us? I worked with Youth for Christ for eight years and um, been speaking for 20 years and now have a ministry and um, two children and um, and all my years and all the books I've read and, and, and the Bible being number one, believe me, I've never heard anything more wise than what a fifth grader told me one time. And this is what this person, this little person said. You know, it's taken me a while to figure out, but some kids are more important than others. Like there's people on the top and in the middle and then there's me. And I asked this fifth grader, well, how do you know? And this little person replied, when I joke, it isn't funny. When I say something, they don't hear me. I can be in the middle of a sentence and they walk away because I'm, I'm nothing. Imagine those words. I finally figured it out. And this is a Christian school. And God says, you will know we are Christians by our uniform. Wrong. <laughs> You will know we are Christians by our love, and love is action, and love is that belief that if I love God, I love others, and there is no one smaller than I. We have this, like, pecking order sometimes, and all we care about is that we're not the one picked on. Rise up. 
Defend someone. Befriend someone. Accept someone. If someone is hungry and thirsty for your friendship and your acceptance, as you do befriend them and, and love them and, and, and call them by name and, and, and don't care about, you know, that ridiculous kind of, well, if I'm friends with them, other people are going to think I'm in that group and then they're going to think that, that I'm really friends and I'm in this group when I'm really in this group and so I can't be friends with you. But I, but we can talk, we can wave in church. I'm sorry, does that sound a little hypocritical to you? But it's what a lot of us do. It's what a lot of us need to quit. It's what we, a lot of us need to hear this morning and be cleansed of. Even as adults, it's, it's easier to love some students than it is others. Even going to teach in different places and, and hold conferences, it's easier. But God tells us to love the unlovables. And he says, as we do it, we do it unto him. I was naked and you clothed me. You know, naked can be humiliation or after someone uncovers or unclothes a secret or some part of your old life or a rumor about you and they spread it all over and they put it on Facebook and they Twitter it and flitter it and what all else y'all do with it. And it's just out there and you're uncovered and you feel naked and humiliated. And one thing, if you, if you went away with nothing else, I want you to go away with this and remember it forever. Love covers. You all are brothers and sisters in here, all of you in Christ. They should know that you are Christians by your love, and love covers. Love does not expose. Love does not repeat. Love does not gossip. Love covers. And when love sees that someone is naked, love goes and covers and helps that person and does not just expose and expose. And I think that we've gotten away from that. We've forgotten that. And, and one of my greatest examples in, in learning this, and early on, thank you God early on, because the Bible tells us that as we honor our parents, we'll live long on this earth. I mean, it has this promise behind it. And so we're to cover our parents. We're to cover our teachers. We're to especially cover those that have authority over us. And how do I know this? Because Noah was a righteous man, and God called him out out of all the people on the earth and said, you know what, you and your family are going to be saved, and that's it. And he built this ark, and he was saved, and he's in the Hebrews Hall of Fame, as we like to call it. I'll read those verses in Hebrews. It just says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. God honored Noah for his faith and for his righteousness, meaning his right doing before God, meaning his obedience. But then I want you to listen to what happened after they landed and the dove came and they got all settled. And Well, Noah messes up because he's human and he gets drunk because he's human. Is he any less the righteous man? No. Is he any less God's choice? No. Is he any less honored? Yes, by one son. One time Noah became drunk and lay naked inside his tent, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness 
And I want you to think about this next word, told his brothers on the outside. See, when you see someone's nakedness or their embarrassment or they're exposed in some way, I want you to remember this, love covers. And there's a blessing with it. When you tell you're exposing their nakedness, and that's not love. When Noah awoke from the wine and found out what his youngest son had done, he pronounced a curse on Ham's family that Ham had brought upon himself. Literally cursed that they would serve, that that family would serve the rest of the brothers. And I could go through genealogically and show you that that curse did in fact come. But we don't have time for that. I just want you to see that love covers. And I don't know if you walk through your day thinking of the least of these. You know, sometimes we're like, I want to do something for you, God. I want to do something for God. And, and he's saying, you know, just be friends with the least of these. Be kind to other people. Stop being mean. Act like me. Because it does matter what you do. Jesus says it matters. Not just what you believe, but what you do. Because see, what you really believe is what you're going to do. Love covers, Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers a multitude of wrongs. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. God is love, and we're to cover those that he has put into authority, and also one another in love. I was sick, and you looked after me, Jesus said. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And, of course, you can think of many sicknesses. You can think of many illnesses, mental, emotional, many prisons. And God says, if you looked after me, if you came and visited me, That just meant that you came and visited others. And do you ever think like that? Like someone might not be completely well, even mentally or emotionally, or or they're depressed or whatever it might be. Or maybe they literally are in jail. And God says, if you go and visit them, you're visiting me. And this is kind of a reverse on the examples I've been given, but I had a terribly, terribly bad back surgery. It was a botched back surgery. The doctors did at least eight things wrong to make it go quicker, and they even did a procedure. One of the procedures they did um, has a 50% failure rate. It's just quicker, so you can make more money. So I ended up, really, I could have been paralyzed, but I'm fused completely from my everything except for my neck. My neck can bend, but my back is fused to metal rods. In the hospital right after that botched surgery, they didn't even connect me with a pain doctor and went on vacation. And so I had no scripts written for pain. So I had a horrendous surgery with major, major screws in my spine. I now have eight the size of a man's index finger and and four rods, and I'm completely fused and cadaver bone in between my joints so that I now am a towering 5'3", instead of my 5'2". But I didn't have any medication. And so here I was, here we are in the hospital in the modern world, and I'm, I've gone through this horrible, horrible surgery, and then it happened again. The second surgery, it was a 13 reconstructive surgery, 13 hours. No medication. 
And just so much happened, but I'm going to just zoom on to, it was a forgive, a forgive, a forgive. I started to not be able to breathe, and the doctor that was in charge of me at that time at that hospital, and I'm kind of meshing both of those surgeries together because that's not important. What's important is what happened. I was one of the sick, right, that people had a chance to take care of, and the nurses didn't really even care. Matter of fact, I was praying for my nurse who was pregnant and had diabetes and was from India and couldn't speak English. No pain control. And I don't know what happened. There's different theories, but my body went into asphyxiation. I couldn't breathe. My lungs filled up with water. And the doctor that was in charge of me, we ended up finding out he's an end-of-life doctor. As a matter of fact, he writes books about watching people die. And I remember him watching me and doing nothing. And praise be to God, my cowboy dad said, that's it. I'm calling an ambulance. We're going to get her to another hospital. And so he called. He asked them to call an ambulance. They, they didn't even call the ambulance of the hospital. They ended up calling like the fire station. So I had these really super young fire guys, like 22 years old, trying to keep my back straight. Now, get a board under a back, because I'd already had all of that surgery done. They went through the front. They went through the back. It was a 13-hour reconstructive surgery. I was suffering. I couldn't breathe. And then I was without oxygen, enough oxygen for seven minutes. And I died. And that's another talk that I've never given. But I will tell you this. Don't doubt Jesus he's real. After they put this, um, whatchamacallit, down my throat, I had it down my throat for eight, uh, five days. I couldn't talk. My hands were tied to the side of the bed so that I wouldn't try to pull it out. I was in incredible pain. And I had a nurse who could have taken care of me. Everyone had to leave at 1030, you know, all of my family. And I had a nurse who could have taken care of me. But she flipped on the TV every single night instead of tending to my needs. And I wept for her because there will be a day where Jesus will say, those on my right go, the ones that have given and served and loved, the least of, the least of these, you've done it for me. The ones who haven't worried about who's popular and who's not popular. The ones who haven't picked on other people. The ones who've gone and made sure that everyone was included. You're on my right and you're the sheep and you will go into eternal heaven with me. But those on the left are the goats who perhaps even said, Jesus is Lord, but if you don't really know what that means and you don't really believe it in your heart, your actions don't follow, and you treat yourself as the most important person on this earth and not God and not others, and you go to eternal damnation. And these are Jesus' words, not mine. So I pray for her and I wept for her. And I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm big on making a statement. And you all really are going to be future leaders in this world. I, I was commenting to my friend that I brought, I was like, they, they're, they're hearing 
and are encouraged to get involved politically and to make a change and to be aware. But you aren't going to make a change anywhere unless it starts here right now. Don't even think that you're going to graduate and do it. Do it now. You know, one other example just is, is sometimes the least of these can even be our teachers because they're not in our generation and they don't speak the same language. And so we kind of can exclude them and get groups going to where we're not cooperating with their class. And Jesus says, hey, you know what? You, the person that just has, guys, you know, come on, let's, let's listen and encourages and covers with love even the mistakes and the quirkiness that all of us adults have. You all have it too, but you're ten, too sensitive for us to tell you. So, But it's easy to tell your parents, like, y'all are so weird, you know. And then we are like, yes, that's our job. It's now. It's now that we make a decision. And if you need to forgive anyone for treating you wrong, I want you to get on your knees because you're going to pray and forgive. If you need to forgive anyone for treating you wrong, I want you to get on your knees because we're going to pray to forgive now. I want you to kneel and ask God's forgiveness also if you've hurt others and if you've treated others in a way that you've not been kind to the least of these. Those that were thirsty for your acceptance, you didn't give. Those who were hungry for your friendship, you didn't give. Those who were in prison, whether it be their own depression or their own lives or maybe what they needed in their life, they, they just couldn't get out. And, and you didn't extend a hand to them at all. You kneel because you need to ask for forgiveness. And God's here to give it to you. And in asking for forgiveness and in repentance, repentance is, is the first thing that happens before revival. It's not just, oh, we're going to repent and then we're going to go clap to class. If that happens, then this has been for nothing. But I want you all to know that this can be a true and real repentance before God and asking God's forgiveness. And today, if possible... If you can go to those persons that you have hurt or betrayed or uncovered in their nakedness, do it. I'm going to pray, and you all can pray in your hearts, okay? You don't have to pray out loud. I changed my mind. You you have to pray out loud. First, I'm going to pray for those who need to forgive others. Father God, you can repeat after me. Father God... I forgive the ones that have hurt me the most deeply. The ones that you bring to mind right now that I'd like to hate, but I cannot because of what you've done for me. And forgiveness for me, you gave me the freedom and the power to forgive them. So I I forgive them, not for them, but for him. Father God, for those of us that are needing to ask forgiveness for the things that we've done, just repeat after me. Father God, please forgive me for the times that I have acted more like the devil, being an accuser and a user 
thinking about myself, being prideful. Wash me clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Forgive me, Father, for hurting you. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you 